war leaves scars. Some are plain to see, others are hidden from view, but they are still there. During World War II, Liverpool was hit by bombs quite heavily, causing severe damage around the city and a great loss of innocent civilian life. One of the places badly hit was Walton Prison, which was almost destroyed during the Liverpool Blitz in 1940. 22 inmates and 12 prison guards lost their lives during the bombing, and it took 11 years to clear the rubble and rebuild. During the rebuild, the decision was made to redesign the prison, making it bigger, by using the land behind the prison, and also to provide housing for the prison guards and their families outside of the fancy new walls. The location of these houses was over the old cell block that had been bombed completely flat. Twelve years after completion of the houses being built, Liverpool Council decided to redevelop the area the guard houses were built on, creating a small council estate. The building work was completed in 1967, creating 192 brand new houses. Now, there's a bit of a gap in my knowledge of the houses between 1967 and 1995, as nothing remarkable happened that was ever reported to the papers anyway. Some of the houses were sold to the old tenants by the council, but they still owned about 40 of the houses. In 1995, an elderly lady that I only know by the name of Lily lived in one of these houses that was still owned by the council. She'd lived there for five years. Unfortunately, I never met Lily, as in June 1995, she was found dead in the house. Her friends and neighbours always described her as a friendly person who would help anyone she could, and despite her advanced age, she was in relatively good health, which made her sudden death a shock to everyone who knew her. But the way she was found caused a full investigation, as she was found in the smallest bedroom, huddled under a blanket in the built-in wardrobe with the doors closed. The investigation was eventually ruled as natural causes, as she simply died of a heart attack, and although there was no answers as to why she was in the wardrobe, it was evident that she'd climbed in there herself, and there were no signs of anybody else being in the house. The council, of course, redecorated the entire house in a nice, boring, neutral beige and white. They put in new carpets and windows, and after her death in November of 1995, me and my family moved into the house that used to be Lily's. Now, my parents knew about Lily, but me and my sister were left in the dark. I was only ten and my sister seven, especially since I was given the smallest room with the built-in wardrobe that poor Lily had died in, and to this day, I'm glad my parents decided not to tell us about her death, as for a ten-year-old, that would have just been nightmare fuel. During the next few months, nothing unusual was noticed, and we made friends with both next-door neighbours. Betty, an extremely devout Christian, also had children about our age, so we would all play together. Life was good, at least to a ten-year-old. My mum had started to notice some odd, unexplainable things, though. Nothing big, just little oddities in the house. Small items would move locations, such as the TV remote would mysteriously turn up in places it had no right to be in, like the fridge or the sink. On one occasion, it even turned up in the bath upstairs. Other items would also do this, and Mum just chalked it up to, there are two kids in the house, and they do the oddest of things. 
My sister started music lessons after school. My mum would pick us both up, drop her off at her lessons and then take me home and then dad would pick her up after the lessons on his way home from work. One day, returning home from school, there was an old penny in the middle of the living room floor, just randomly. I picked it up and me and mum just assumed that it probably fell out of someone's pocket. I put her on the fireplace and promptly forgot about it. The following day after school, me and mum found a penny in the middle of the floor again, same place as the day before. We laughed. Mum told me to put it with the other one. As I went to do so, I noticed the first one was gone. Again, it's only a penny. My sister has probably taken it to put it in a piggy bank. No big deal. I just put the penny down and tell Mum yesterday's one is gone and, again, forget about it. The following day, again, there is a penny, but this time it is by the front door and the penny on the fireplace is gone. This went on for weeks and turned into a bit of a game for me. Every day I went looking for the penny, and every day I would find it somewhere, usually downstairs. I can't remember all the places I found the penny, but it was usually fairly obvious if you were looking for it. We mused that maybe it was the same penny, so Mum had an idea, and scratched an X on one side of the coin. The following day, when I found the coin, it was proved it was the same coin. Mum just assumed Dad was moving the coin as some kind of joke or something, and didn't bother mentioning it to him at this point. Months down the line, the novelty of the magic relocating penny had worn off. I was still finding it every day, but I wasn't actively hunting for it. One Sunday, when everyone was home, Mum was loading the washing machine, when she spots the penny in the middle of the drum, and started arguing with my dad. It's all fine to be moving the penny around the house, but if she hadn't spotted that, that could have easily broken the machine. He denied ever moving the penny, though, and claimed that this was her thing with the kids. After both of them argued for about 20 minutes, they realised that if it's not them moving the penny, then it must have been me or my sister. Finally, they asked us both and we denied moving the penny, except when we'd find it. So, Mum finally declares, oh well, it must be magic. Then reluctantly dropping the argument, returning the penny to the fireplace. Again, the penny still carried on magically appearing in new places until Christmas Day 1996, when the penny just disappeared. We didn't find it again. Shortly after Christmas, Mum ends up mentioning the magic penny to Betty next door, and she just proclaimed, Oh, so you've noticed them too? When my mum asked her what she meant by this, Betty proceeded to explain how the playful spirits that live on the estate like to move things during the night. She had wondered how long it would take us to notice. Smiling, my mum ended the conversation and just assumed Betty was a little bit more crazy than we first thought and told us all about the crazy things that Betty had tried telling her to which my dad just jokingly dismissed it with a, well, that's all explained then, isn't it? Not believing a single word. During the weeks that followed, though, other neighbours also would tell my mum about the playful spirits, and the kids also tell me and my sister spooky stories about ghosts, and hide it all the time trying to scare us. We never paid much attention. The random moving of items just continued, and, like any normal person, we just chalked it up, or put it down, to someone else moving it out of the way. 
or that we'd moved farther away with them than we'd realised. You know, the normal rationalisation of normal world because ghosts and spirits are made up nonsense now, aren't they? I'm going to do a quick time skip though as nothing majorly interesting happens to any of us until late 2001. The oddly moving items still carried on though but we just assumed that we were naturally bad at keeping track of stuff as it just becomes part of your day to day life. Around September 2001 I fell quite ill just before we were all due to go on holiday. So, not wanting to ruin the family holiday, I decided to stay home, as I could still look after myself, but couldn't travel any good distances. Reluctantly, Mum agreed, as everything had already been paid for and cancelling would just be a waste of money. The day they left, I grabbed my blankets and wrapped myself up on the sofa to watch TV. As I was vegging out, I started to notice things in the corner of my vision. Just sudden blares. Being sick, I just assumed that it was my mind playing tricks on me, so decided to nap. I turned off the TV, left the remote on the arm of the sofa, and fell asleep. A few hours later, I woke up and lay there, still feeling just as ill as I had before, and I decided to watch a movie. Looking at the arm of the sofa, the remote was gone. Clearly, I must have knocked it while sleeping. So, checking the area, I looked on the floor and... Under the sofa, down the side of the seat, anywhere it could feasibly be. Bit frustrated, I eventually gave up and walked into the kitchen to get a drink. And there it was, right there on the counter, the TV remote. I knew I hadn't been in the kitchen until just that moment. And I was the only person in the house. During the week, I started noticing more and more things hovering just at the edge of my vision. I explained it all to Mum when she returned from holiday, but she just chalked it up to the fact that I was ill and hallucinated the ordeal. Only, I was getting better and still kept seeing things. All the way through November, things were still creeping in the edge of my vision, but were always gone by the time I looked round. I was worrying that I was losing my mind, but I couldn't admit that to my Mum. She clearly didn't believe me. Mid-November, the original Xbox was released, and my dad decided that we must have one. We enjoyed many games of Halo, but he started to accuse me of cheating while watching his half of the screen during games. He just couldn't believe that, well, I was better at the game. So he went out and bought a second console for me, and a TV to set up in my room. He also set up his Xbox in the kitchen on a small TV to leave the main TV in the living room clear for anyone else. A few days after the change around, he was on his Xbox in the kitchen, and while I was talking to Mum in the living room, he asked if I was going to join him shortly. Five minutes or so later, I was talking to Mum when he said something that we didn't quite hear. So, Mum asked loudly what he had said, and with a lot of confusion he replied, I was asking what we were having for tea, but how did you get over there? We looked at each other a little bit confused and said, well, we haven't moved. He then proceeded to inform us that mum had just looked in the fridge and turned the oven on. Slightly confused now and after some grumbling, he decided that he just must be overworked and goes back to his game. A few days later, mum and I were watching some film on the TV, I don't remember which one, 
my sister and dad were out of the house. When suddenly a shadow walked across the middle of the living room, straight through the TV, disappearing in the wall behind it. No. We were both opposite sides of the living room and this shadow had just walked between us, clearly, fully formed, and not cast against something like a shadow should be. We just both looked at each other to confirm that we'd both seen what... Well, that we'd both seen the shadow. Both clearly, clearly freaked out by this point. The next few weeks were no better, with the shadows and sightings of the shadows becoming more increasingly common. My sister woke up one night to see one next to her bed. Mum managed to convince her that she was just having a nightmare, but we kept spotting them walking through the garden, past the kitchen door, and always just a quick glimpse. There one second, gone the next. Dad didn't believe us, as he had never seen one. He was convinced it was all in our heads. This went on for months until Mum decided we need to move to a new house. Not surprisingly, Dad was unhappy about this, but eventually agreed to the move and they started looking for somewhere more suitable. The night we decided to move, Mum had woken up screaming, waking me in the room next to her, and as I woke, I saw there was an elderly lady stood with her hands against my door, holding it shut. Of course I jumped screaming myself, and the old lady just turned her head and evaporated into thin air. Mum came bursting through the door with Dad one step behind her. After telling her my story, she explained that she had woken up due to a slight tapping sound and saw at the bottom of the bed a man holding a small bat. The moment she screamed, he'd disappeared. It was then she'd heard me, thought that he had moved into my room instead. She, of course, was surprised and a little unnerved that I had seen something different. Dad just told us that we were being silly. We'd clearly been dreaming and we should just go back to sleep. The following night, it was my sister's screams that woke us all up again. And there she was again, the old lady with both palms firmly planted against my door holding it shut, just like the night before. I moved with a start. Her head turned towards me and she evaporated into thin air again. Still shaking, I took the clear path and burst out of my room, colliding with my dad as he was following my mum to my sister's room. Sobbing, she was telling my mum that a bald man was stood in her room, leaning over her bed looking at her. Mum dropped to her side, holding her close explaining it was just a nightmare to my dad's satisfaction. And once she'd calmed down and gone back to sleep, Mum told Dad that something was going on in the house. He then got upset, realising that he, she had just told my sister it was just a nightmare to get her to sleep again, and he didn't believe it. I told her the same thing had happened to me as I was leaving my room. Dad's reaction, though, didn't change. The night following this... Around 3am, a loud crashing noise startled us all awake again, and true to form, there she was, holding the door shut as I startled awake. She turned, raised a finger to her lips this time, made a shushing notion, 
before holding the door again. All I could do was just sit there, staring, as once again she disappeared into nothing. I heard Dad make his way downstairs, and once I was sure the woman was gone, I opened my door to see Mum stood at the top of the stairs listening. She raised a hand motioning for me to wait there, where I was. A few seconds later Dad appeared at the bottom of the stairs and told Mum to come down, so I followed too. As we entered the living room, we saw that the coffee table had been flipped, all the contents scattered all over the floor. Dad started to blame me, as I was open, all the windows and doors were shut and locked. But as Mum pointed out, if it had have been me, I would have been down here as I had no time to get back upstairs in the time before he had gotten downstairs. Later that day, my grandparents had decided to come and visit, and Mum was telling them how worried she was about our safety and everything that had happened, and how we were trying to move because of it. Dad just scoffed because, although he had no explanation for the coffee table, he was adamant there was nothing going on. Seeing the effect in my mother though, my grandparents offered to take my sister for a few nights to relieve some of the stress, although I don't know if they believed her either. It was obvious though that mum believed it and that's what mattered. As my sister was the youngest and me being 16, in my grandparents' eyes, I was old enough to look after myself if anything happened. Mum agreed, although she wasn't fully satisfied as herself, me and Dad were still in harm's way. And that night, once again, I woke up late. The old woman stood with her hands against the door, holding it tight. She glanced towards me, but then returned her focus to the door. I was far too scared to do anything, so I just sat, motionless, watching her until she evaporated into thin air again. I remained sat against the head of my bed until I was too tired to stay awake any longer and passed out. Following morning, I told Mum again that it happened and we couldn't see any evidence of anything happening other than the old lady. Mum leaned down, told me not to mention it to Dad, as he was losing patience talking about ghosts and ghouls and other things that go bump in the night. The days seemed to be incredibly normal. Nothing odd or strange, but the nights... The nights were getting worse. So, Mum decided instead of cleaning it, we would just pack it ready to move. We systematically packed every room that week, the nights all being the same. I would wake up, see the lady pinning the door, and we would hear things move around. Mum didn't sleep at all that week. She was running on empty, but Dad still wouldn't admit anything was happening. He was convinced Mum was just being crazy, and I was acting up because of her. Another few days went by, and we found a house that we could move into, which was insanely fast, but Mum jumped at it. That day, Dad went to see his brother, who lived about six hours away, to borrow his van, and he had to stay there overnight. As darkness fell, Mum and I went to bed. I slept for a few hours when, just like all the other nights, I woke to see the lady holding the door, but this time was different. This time the handle started to move, and the door was shaking. 
The lady looked worried but stood firm holding the door. When it was starting to open, she looked at me and pushed harder. The door was banging and slamming and whatever was on the other side wanted in. I realised at that time that the old lady was trying her hardest to stop it. The door bashed again and opened about a quarter of the way before the lady pushed it closed again. I am not sure why, but I jumped up. I pushed on the door with her and we both held the door firm for what seemed like hours. Though my bedside clock showed it was literally only minutes, all of a sudden it just stopped. There was a moment, silence. She turned and looked at me, smiling ever so slightly, and then gone. I stayed pressed against my door until I heard my mum's voice on the other side. The handle started moving again. As I moved out of the way, the door burst open. Mum grabbed hold of me, holding me tight and crying. Once we had both calmed down, we both went into the living room and decided to stay in that room for the remainder of the night. Mum explained that she'd heard my door and woke up startled. As she got there, she saw this huge bald man, as tall as the door, wearing what looked like prison clothing, slamming against it, trying to open it. She was frozen in absolute terror, but he couldn't seem to enter the room. After a few moments, he just faded away. After a few more seconds in hearing me, she regained her ability to move and ran to me. I explained what happened on my side of the door, and this is when she finally told me about Lily. She believes the lady that I've been seeing must be her. I can't confirm if it was, but she had died in that room, and I would like to believe that it was in fact Lily trying to protect me. The following afternoon, Dad came back with the van and Mum was adamant. She couldn't stay a moment longer in this house. So as quickly as we could, we packed the van and we started the move. By nightfall, we had managed to move about two-thirds of our possessions, so Dad decided to stay in the old house, stop thieves seeing this disarray and stealing what was left. It was not uncommon for the time. Mum begged him not to, but he stubbornly decided that he would show us all there was nothing wrong with the house and it was all in our heads. So Mum and I went on together to the new house. We set up our beds and slept the first full night's sleep we'd both had in weeks. After breakfast, we tried to call Dad, but didn't get an answer. So Mum packed me back into the car and decided to drive us back so that we could help finish loading the van. We needed to get this move over with. As we approached the house, we saw the van parked in the driveway, but the curtains were all still closed, so we just assumed Dad was still asleep. Going through the front door, everything looked the same as it did when we'd left it the night before but he wasn't downstairs. So Mum said she would put the kettle on if I run upstairs to wake him up. I walked into his room, but apart from his clothes from the previous day, he wasn't there. Though I noticed that my old room door was closed. I could have swore I left it open, so I decided to check. The room looked as empty as I'd left it, but as I turned to leave, I did notice a small stitch of cloth hanging from the bottom of the built-in wardrobe. 
as I opened it to see what it was, just thinking that I'd maybe left a piece of clothing behind. There was Dad. He was wrapped in his quilt and he didn't respond to me opening the door. I shook his shoulder but he felt cold to the touch. Not realising at that split second, I shook him harder but still got no response. This is when fear really took hold. I screamed for Mum who came running as quickly as she could up the stairs. She tried in vain to wake him and by now I was inconsolable. Trying her best to keep her own head, she started calling for an ambulance, hushing me out the door, telling me to wait outside and she would join me in a few minutes, but to wait for the ambulance and send them straight up. Even though it felt like a lifetime, it was only around five minutes later the ambulance arrived. They began their emergency procedures, but it wasn't long before they declared him dead at the scene. As his death was unexpected, he was taken to the local morgue, where a post-mortem confirmed natural causes, a heart attack. We received this report and permission to organise the funeral a few days later. During this time, we managed to move the rest of our belongings as Mum made preparations for his cremation. My uncle came down to collect his van and help with the funeral proceedings. After the funeral, Mum found she wanted answers. No. Wanted is the wrong word. She needed answers. So she started researching the area. This is how we found out about the prison history and how the old bomb prison used to stand where the house was and that the prisoners and guards were killed during the bombing. After weeks of endless research, she found an old history book that held the prison photos of the inmates and a group photo of the guards. This was when she immediately recognised the person who tried to break into my room that night. He was one of the dead prisoners and the man standing at the end of her bed the first night she awoke was one of the guards. The year is now 2020, and I have spent the last 19 years forgetting about this entire ordeal. I never return to that cursed place. I have my own flat now, I live on my own, and refuse to talk about the events of that time to anybody. Well, that was until today. As normal, I came home from work, made a coffee and sat at my PC. And on my keyboard was a penny. Silly me, eh? I left it there from earlier. I picked it up and twirled it between my fingers. When my heart dropped on the opposite side. There it was, clear as day. An X. The same X, the same penny that disappeared all those years ago.